0: I'm Siobhan McClay,
1: she, her, and I'm Jen Jackson, she, her, and this is Embodiment
0: for the Rest of Us, a podcast series exploring topics within intersections that exist in fat liberation.
2: In this show, we interview professionals and those with lived experience alike to learn how they are affecting radical change and how we can all make this world a safer place for those living in larger bodies and in marginalized spaces.
1: Captions and content warnings are provided in the show notes for each episode, including specific timestamps, so that you can skip triggering content any time that feels supportive to you. This podcast is a representation of our co host and guest experiences and may not be reflective of yours. These conversations are not medical advice and are not a substitute for mental health or nutrition support. In
2: addition, the conversations held here are not exhaustive in scope or breadth. These topics, these perspectives are not complete and are always in process. These are just the highlights. Just like posts on social media or any other podcast, this is just a glimpse. We are always interested in any feedback on this process. If something needs to be addressed, you can email us at listener, L I S T E N E R, at embodiment for the rest of us.com. And now for today's episode.
1: Yes. So freaking excited and filled with joy to have a thoughtful human being with us on the podcast. Oh, we can't wait! Yay! <laughs> today we have Tiana with us from France, someone whose words we invest in on our own podcast. There's so much insight coming your way. We just know it. So let's head, let's go ahead and get started. How are you doing today?
0: I am. I am hot and sweaty because it yes. is August and it's hot today and um but besides that I am super excited to be here
1: with you all yay (laughs) we are so excited
2: that you're here oh
1: my god and sweaty and hot
2: i I related to all of that all of it so thank you again for being here with us and as we sit with how we feel in our bodies today thinking about the hot sweatiness and the other things we feel we'd love to start by asking a centering question about the themes of our podcast and how they occur to you can you share with us what embodiment means to you and what has your embodiment journey been like if you'd like to share that
0: oh yeah Oh, this is a good question. This is a big question. Um, I think of embodiment as the ability to feel your feelings. Um, and like, <laughs> I was gonna say, and be in your body, um, which is like kind of obvious, but definitely feeling your feelings. Um, because I know that, oh, there's so much conditioning and so much learning that we do to avoid or bypass things that we're actually authentically feeling as reactions to our experiences. And that is not a good thing. Not a good thing at all. So my embodiment practice... (laughs) Uh, it's generous to call it a practice, but (laughs) because I don't really have any kind of ritual or anything around it, but essentially I just have really tried ever since I found my way to my body acceptance journey. Um, I just really try to be honest with myself and always try to check in with myself about what I actually am experiencing in a moment. Um, like uh, it's just this conversation that I'm sort of always having with myself, and um, it's also it's also interesting because sometimes I find myself going, Oh, huh, we haven't felt some things in a while, or um or like, uh, it's a little bit quiet in here. <laughs> what's going on, you know, um. Or okay, uh for whatever reason I can't stop scrolling Facebook even though I'm not enjoying this. What is going on here? And um I suppose like that's pretty much all my practices is just questioning myself and trying to be honest with the answers. Ooh, you say that a lot too. Ooh, we're
1: still processing. Oh, that's good. Um yeah, <laughs> I love this this idea of just continuously questioning and just being a witness to whatever's happening inside of you. Do you feel comfortable talking about what your embodiment like what your process was to or to get to some form of embodiment or what your journey was like?
0: Mm. This is a good question. I think I feel like I'm gonna say that every time. Um, Thank you. <laughs> so um so I I'm a lifelong dieter, like I, I've, I've pretty much dieted most of my life, because I've also been fat for most of my life. Mm-hmm. I've probably been fat all my life, actually. Um, and just getting fatter, because that's what bodies do sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a really huge dieting history. And the last iteration of my dieting was to, quote unquote, be on the search for health, like, I was going for health, not for weight loss anymore. But I meant weight loss because at the time, this was sort of like when the discourse was changing around weight loss and they started to talk about health and refer to, you know, health almost exclusively and interchangeably. And so I was right on that bandwagon and I was like, yeah, I'm about health now. I'm trying to just be healthy. And um, it, found me a health coach actually um I stumbled upon a health coach while looking sorry for the yelling in the, <laughs> the corridor or my child has just come home um I love anyway <laughs> <Real life. laughs> yeah noisy kid yeah yep. I mean kids kids be noisy this is it. truth. <laughs> noisies Sticky and sticky. Please find her. Oh are. my God, it's so <laughs> sticky. Always, so I'm sticky. just like, I don't know how this happened. We just washed that. Seriously. <laughs> okay. Sticky. I mean, but also, children are really amazing in a way, in a lot of ways, actually. But one of the things I find really amazing with my child is to witness a being who is 100% of the time seeking pleasure and enjoyment. Mm-hmm. I'm just like that's amazing it's yeah. just amazing yes. um so children are really good teachers if you allow yourself to like have the space to be taught by them and also there's a question of capacity there because parenting is hard
1: yeah.
0: parenting is hard mm-hmm. and so that takes a lot of resources out of you and sometimes you don't have the space left to be like yeah kid you're pretty awesome um so yeah, there's a lot there. There's so much there. Yeah. This is a that's a whole completely different conversation and podcast episode that is big. Yeah. Is big. Maybe
1: we'll
0: Hot. have. This second episode. Maybe we <laughs> might.
1: Oh, oh <laughs> sounds great.
0: Absolutely, <laughs> I'm oh. here for that. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> So rewinding back to me before before I had a child and noisy children yelling in my hallway and things. Um like I I found myself a self coach, health coach. And and I and I cuz I was like looking for a sauna for my then boyfriend who's my now husband. And um and I was like looking on this website of this place that has sauna and they were like, "Hey, here's this uh this event. We're going to have a detox workshop." And I was like, yes, detox, that's healthy. I'm looking for health, so maybe I need a detox. That sounds great. So I went to this workshop and I don't remember much about it. But what I do remember is there was a free health coaching situation afterward. And I was like, I like free, free is good. And this health coach was a gateway drug for me in a way because what I did learn from this experience. I did sign up with her eventually. Um I didn't lose any weight because that's what I was there for. I didn't lose any weight. But she was a raw vegan and what she did teach me was how to have a better relationship with vegetables. Um, she taught me like how to eat them in a way that I had never had experience with before. Um, and that was really nice. But the thing that was really enjoyable about the experience was like watching her do her job. I was like, you always look happy. You work from home. You've got a great butt. Like I want these things, you know, I want these things too. So I think I want to be a health coach because I, you know, I was starting to really get into like nutrition and I've always liked helping people. And I was like, this is a good marriage. Let's do this. And so, um, when I left the States to come to Europe, to be with my husband, I decided I was going to learn health coaching. And that was challenging, really challenging, because I showed up on day one of health coach training in a fat body. And the discourse within the health coaching sphere is about losing weight, you know, because that's quote unquote healthy and just all kinds of really healthist sort of points of view. Um, and when I say healthist, what I mean is like, you know, health uber all you know, and, and sort of like um, health is the most important thing that you have. And, and also only fo- focusing on the physical part of health. Um, so I was like, okay, <laughs> I'm here, I'm in this fat body but I was promised a transformation. And with this promise of transformation, I was like, this is gonna be great. I'm gonna end up thin on the other side. That's exactly what that meant to me at that moment in time. That's not the transformation I got, not at all. Not even close. Cause I feel like I gained weight during the process actually, um, because I like part of the training was to try all these different kinds and types of diets um, not necessarily calorie restrictive diets, but ways of eating. Also diets, you know, like ways of eating that are just, you know, or diets disguised as ways of eating, I should say. Um, So I had tried many of them over that period of time. And in the end, in a fat body, I was starting to question the whole notion of what health was. Um, Because according to what health quote unquote health is, I had achieved that. Like my blood work looked good, I was active, I was happy, I had a partner, um, you know, and, and like, like, a, like pretty much all those things that they say quote unquote health is, I could check off except for I had a fat body. And I was like, is it possible? Is it possible? that these two things can coexist because everything says, like my my lived experience, my evidence is showing this is true. But I didn't have the information that would like yay or nay that for me. So I go to the internet like you do, and I went searching and I found health at every size. And that started this rabbit hole where basically I was given permission to both be fat and be healthy at the same time, which was completely, completely ass backwards from what everybody else was saying, um, because everybody else, my whole life, had been been telling me that I'm a ticking time bomb. I'm, you know, there's no way I can be healthy in this fat body, and and you know, so on so forth. We've all heard this, and and so like, health at every size gave me that permission that I needed to just live my fucking life and that was amazing so I just started to integrate like what would my life look like 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 if I'm not focused on my weight if I'm not working on weight loss constantly what does my life look like and I just started doing stuff that just felt good and that I enjoyed and it was hard (laughs) it was really hard a lot of the times because I'm what I call absolutely fat. I'm not relatively fat. I'm not only fat because everybody in my family is skinny or everybody like all my friends are skinny. Like I'm absolutely fat, which means that regardless of who I'm with or where I'm at, I am fat. I am perceived as fat. I am read as fat. Um and like I'm not on the highest end of like the fat spectrum by any measure. Um, but I am very visibly fat and I'm fat in a way that actually is starting to cause me access issues. Um, And so it's like, it's been an interesting journey because like, you have to always be dealing with the bullshit that people throw at you because the culture didn't change just because I changed. But it's also been really joyful to be able to go, well, I'm at this restaurant and the steak looks really good with the potatoes. Those potatoes look awesome. Cause I was living in Germany at the time too. Potatoes all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> and bread too, and lots of bread. And I was just like, I would have that. I would just order it and not be worried about what other people would be thinking about me. And a funny thing started to happen, which was, I actually started liking salads. Mm. I found myself, you know, also sitting in a restaurant going, this salad sounds good. You know, and, and that was a never a feeling that I had had before. Never, never once before. And that was the sort of thing that was amazing. I was actually able to tap into what actually sounded good and, potentially could feel good for myself instead of measuring things that I was going to do on this rigid rubric of will it take this amount of points or will I later have to burn this number of calories or work out that long or whatever like it was was so good.
2: Wow the touchness that you were describing with your entire journey as well as when you were talking the I was thinking about the in touchness that you had not just in describing to us now but like throughout I found that really pretty amazing um I definitely can't say that that I feel in touch with so many areas of my Mm -hmm. embodiment journey I really had to look at it um retroactively retrospectively I had to just look at it um I felt very inspired by that and I was thinking of the word transformation But it really felt like transcending like there were these experiences that were happening and what you describe repeatedly was the joy you found the radical acceptance you found um, that that can become the place that you talk from or to. Because of that presence was incredible to me, and I will, I will know. Whenever I say transcendent or elevate, I know that that can have a lot of connotations related to diet culture and purity culture, especially. Oh, yeah. And I mean, like for yourself, your own standards, your own boundaries with yourself, like that kind of experience, just really incredible. So thank you for sharing that with us. That felt really special to be present for and just listen to.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm glad that's what you got from it. We appreciate that. The thing is, I'm. I wrote down the phrase in-touchness that you just said. And it's interesting because I I never really thought of it that way before. <laughs> but but it's actually quite interesting because like, as you were saying that, I was realizing that like, this in-touchness that I had, okay, this is backwards as hell, what I'm getting ready to say. Um, trigger warning or something, I don't know. But, But ultimately, like, I feel like when we're dieting, when we're dieting there's actually quite a lot of body listening that we're doing it's just it's masked by so much enforced narrative yeah this is this is an unformed thought this is a completely unformed thought but it's like this questioning this questioning this in touchness i suppose is just something i've always sort of had I'm not a good dieter. I've never been a good dieter. I know there are people who are good dieters. Like they get a diet, they have their little plan and they can follow it. And I am a terrible dieter because I'm, cause I'm, I also have a background in mechanical engineering and I love math and I am like, wait, these things don't add up. And I'm confused. There's a dissonance that doesn't make sense these numbers don't match I w- what and so I'm always I'm just I'm a questioning person
1: hmm. what really stuck out for me that the answer was wonderful of course that the idea of absolute fat versus relative fat that's one of my favorite episodes of yours and I'll definitely get it in the show notes the idea of you know kind of indexing that spectrum like small fat and fat Super fat and fit at that, and um, yeah, I think there's very much a difference between absolute fat and how that interacts with the world. Um, yeah. because it doesn't matter where you are, like, this is how you're perceived, I'm perceived. Um, but I yeah. also really love that you said the world didn't change even though I did, and I think that's just something to keep in mind. Like, you might I have this very awakening and I am where I am in my life, and I feel very comfortable in my body, et cetera, et cetera. But that doesn't mean everybody else does. So that's it's right. it's a really intentional way of interacting with the world, knowing that you've had this transcendence this transformation. People will happen. So, yeah, like, surrounding yourself with people mm. who and structures that acknowledge that and honor that, I think is a big part of embodiment to
0: Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, that's it's actually. I think you really put that really well like the intentionality of of like this way of interacting and being in relationship um with the world um Oh I love this y'all are giving me like good words for stuff that I just be doing. <laughs> hey, <you laughs> just just be just nice. woman for everything. <laughs> <laughs> I feel so <laughs> <helpful too. laughs> I mean this is awesome because the thing is like you know I have this four step this four step framework for body liberation and and step three. Step three is self-care and resilience building. Um, and like, when I'm describing step three, like, you know, the elevator pitch version of it is that you need to know how to take care of yourself because you've done all this inner work because steps one and two are inner work stuff. So step one is education because you cannot fight a system you don't know or understand.
1: Step two
0: is reframing because we are carrying these stories around that we have been gifted not all of them are positive gifts a lot of them are negative but we've been carrying these stories around that determine how we do things and some of these stories if we look at them in a different light can help us move forward and others are just harmful so in that step you're making this uh, distinction and um you know, changing how we're looking at things. And then, so this is all internal work, pretty much. Mm -hmm. Step three is this part where, okay, now how do I get geared up to go outside in the world? Because I have fundamentally changed internally, um, but the world outside me has not really. So how do I continue to be able to do this and show up fully in myself as I am now, moving things forward? Um, Because folks don't, like that when people change for the better generally unfortunately um so you need to be able to like take care of yourself and so that's what step three is about and then step four is advocacy because you need to know how to show up for yourself uh in the face of garbage that comes your direction and for and every time you show up for yourself you're also showing up for everybody else who comes behind you so advocacy is super important. Pass it forward.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow. Bad. And
2: I, um, I was feeling like both like, oh, this is touching such like wonderful areas in me. And also this other feeling of, wow, this involves a lot of grief and loss. It's something mm. I think about a lot, about embodiment, yeah. about growth, about yeah. anything that's moving forward. Because all of that is really the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um not feeling s- that stuckness. I like the word, you know, that ness affix after things yeah. uh, or suffix. I don't know which one is which, but anyway, the, like this, like ness, ness, the ness, of things. <laughs> I love that, that there's a, um, it's like it percolates in there that it's mm-hmm. not, and it's not just joy percolating. I'm hearing grief percolating it. Like it really mm-hmm. speaks to the complex nature of being a human being being like a being not doing the beingness that and we're every something I've I think about and talk about a lot probably is like how each of us has all of the past versions of ourselves within us and that's part of growth and a trajectory of moving forward just living life surviving living thriving all of them and there is a feeling like once we learn a lesson that we're done now sometimes, and there's also a feeling of unlearning means we're done now also Mm -hmm. in the same way, or um, that it doesn't get to carry us forward, that we're in a new stuck place. Like these things were kind of sitting with me as you were talking, that there is a real um, radical acceptance that I was hearing in what you said and what you've designed to share with other people in support of their liberation, that it's okay to be where you are, even if it sucks. Yeah. And also that it's okay to try to go for something that sucks less, Mm -hmm. um, that we can all do that feels like, uh, the way diet culture looks at bodies, that everything is our fault. It's all about personal Mm. responsibility. Um, if the diet wins, it wins. If the diet loses, actually we've lost because we're the ones at fault. Like that there's not, not really a lot of space to be a human being. There's only a lot of space to be a human doing when you were talking about, um, like some people are good at diets. Yeah, I was really thinking like, yeah, they're just doing and doing and doing. And yes, you have to be in touch with how to make yourself do even when you don't want to and how to make yourself do even when it doesn't feel right for you and it feels harmful. It's like, just keep doing, though. Um, I was just really hearing the being and what you were sharing about liberation. Like, I've never thought about being in liberation, like as being so like necessary for each other before until I was listening to you. I felt like a gift. You were talking
0: about gifts. and I was like, this is a gift, oh,
2: right? This oh, is
0: a gift. I love it. It's interesting because I had to like, as soon as you started saying being and doing, I was like, Ooh, this reminds you of something. Like I had this thought um, and I wrote it down, which is capitalism is human doing and post-capitalism is human being.
1: Um,
2: Wow, <laughs> I have chills no, up and
1: down my seriously.
0: spine. Also, awesome. I mean, honestly, because because like I mean, you could take the word capitalism, you could replace it with diet culture. They yeah. are interchangeable. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Any other version of oppression, um, all of them are about doing. They're you know doing where there's like there's there's a performance required. There are rules. There are like mandates and moralities and and if you're not doing this then you're wrong um all of this oppressive system stuff is a doing sort of system it is humans doing this in order to uphold a system that Mm -hmm. just harms us all because we're not designed we're not created we're not put here to do all the time we're actually put here to just be you know um and like if we could just get back to that because that's where we started just being you know like the wonderful thing about being is that you get to be human you know like you get to you get to burp and like you know it happens like like bodies are just bodies are weird bodies Bodies are are weird weird. and they're (laughs) sort of gross and and like They're also amazingly fascinating. Um, And we know so little, regardless of how much we know about our bodies. And it's just, it's like every time we learn something new, what we continue to uncover is how connected we are to nature, because we are of nature. And nature ain't out here doing, nature is out here being. Like, let's just get back to that. Mm.
1: Wow! Oof. Yes,
2: I mean I have nothing to say about that because I just say
1: that. Yeah, I thought about responding, but I was like, oh, exactly. Oh, like, yes,
0: <laughs> that's wonderful because in my head, in my head, I'm just like, I'm like, oh god, that was really woo, and
1: yeah. <laughs> oh, we love woo. We, we love the woo woo. Love woo. <laughs>
2: there's something very special about the imagining in a woo place and the conversation Mm -hmm. that happens in that place that's really powerful like in a way Mm -hmm. that's really hard to describe or anticipate except being in the moment of it I find so that's just amazing
0: well the thing about liberation is none of us understand it none of us have experienced it so if we're talking about liberation and we're walking toward liberation, we're working toward liberation, what is liberation? Mm-hmm. We don't know. We don't know. We've never had it. We've never seen it in, in lived memory. Um, we've never experienced it. And every single one of us who is working toward liberation on our backs, we are carrying all of the oppression and the bullshit and the conditioning that we've always been given. Which means that unfortunately what tends to happen is we recreate the shit because we know it. Um, And so we have to constantly be asking ourselves like, did we just recreate some bullshit or are we actually doing something new and different? I mean, that's the power of liberation is that we don't know what it is. We get to create it, we get to dream it, but then we have to do the work, right? We have to do the hard part, which is, because the dreaming part is fun, it's sexy, yeah. it's really exciting and and like, it gives it just gets you jazzed up, but guess what? We actually start have to. We have to. We have to start making it happen. And the making it happen part is the hard part because that's the part where we have to go. Okay, I'm reproducing my conditioning. How do I not do that? Let's undo this. I mean, I mean, it's it's something that has been seen. Um, Franz Fanon, for example, um, wrote this book in 1967 called The Wretched of the Earth, and he was talking about um, the. I'll, uh, the Franco Algerian War. And so he was, he was a, I think he was a psychologist, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and what he was writing about in this book was how the Algerian people who had become liberated from France through this war ended up recreating the colonial systems in themselves Um, and I mean it was really fascinating because it's like yes absolutely this is what happens I mean we try to say oh like we're liberating ourselves you know we're we're doing something we're getting away from it all but then in that running away we're not challenging what we're running away from Mm -hmm. which means that we're not able to build something new
2: I got a snap. I was already holding it back, but I'm not, I'm not gonna hold it. Back. Um, <laughs> I was like, yes, Wow. Yeah. But even the language that we use can trap us in the old system. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I was making
2: me think about, like, oh, this conversation about defund or abolish,
1: mm-hmm.
2: that abolish has that liberated sl- stance, that it's in that direction. Um, and yet it is based on the old system in some ways, and I've seen a lot of discourse recently about, like, what if we did not just stick with this word, because it's so used and so commonplace now, does it even mean what we said it means anymore? Mm -hmm. Has it been taken over by the same oppressive structures? How is it, is it benefiting us to even have this conversation about this word anymore? Um, Not that I feel like liberation has the we shouldn't talk about it anymore kind of slant. It's just. Really interesting to think
0: about that. Hmm. No, absolutely. I mean, for example, great example is body positivity. Body positivity is born out of fat acceptance,
1: yes.
0: which is a radical movement started by fat, queer people um, to like make space for them, to make space for themselves in a society that has rejected them and continues to reject them. Um, and so body positivity was this kind of gentler version for people who were in recovery from eating disorders. Um, and here this day and age, I mean, apparently it's morphing into body neutrality or something, but but it was it was co-opted by by like corporations mm-hmm. to sell products to us. You know, I I I don't need to buy Dove soap in a round bottle. Like that doesn't make me feel better about myself. (laughs) Thank you. Um, I wasn't questioning my body shape when I bought your, uh, your thin tall square bottle. Like that, that wasn't, that wasn't a problem for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I, you know, but, but basically like in the end, like, it's been co-opted and so now this phrase, which was so useful for so many people for so long as a sort of radical call has now become thin people curling over and squeezing, squeezing to get a little roll of skin so they can be body positive too. And it's just like, look, 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 Um let the marginalized have things and the reason why is because if the most marginalized of us can have things that means all of us get to benefit all of us go forward if the most marginalized of us can go forward Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. yeah absolutely
0: So now the language is changing. Now we're not talking about body positivity anymore. Now we're talking about body neutrality, which is the new buzz phrase. And it's just like, I don't want to, I mean, yeah, I guess I want to be neutral about bodies, Mm -hmm. but I also don't want to wash out the bodies that are not neutral or being thought of positively.
1: Mm. Oh, I hadn't thought of that. Absolutely. Yeah, because I, yeah. I don't say body positivity all that much, because I, I think of it more on an individual level, but thinking of it a oh, more global, like positive about the bodies that are always seen positively. Positive. Whoa, whoa, that's... Now I'm going to use the term yet. Now it's going to come back into my vocabulary, anyway, because like, mm-hmm. I'm saying, I'm like, fuck this, toxic body positivity, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, ooh, hmm, positivity. gonna start saying it. There
0: is toxic body positivity, is when you know, like you know, it's like, oh, positive about all bodies. Like I mean, it's it's as a term, it is a term that promises something good because the word effing positivity is in there, you know. So it's like, yes, this is good. Let's get behind Mm -hmm. this being positive about bodies. Mm -hmm. Except that it gets gatekept by people who have power, yes, who Mm -hmm. tend to be the people who are closest to the. Idealized standards of beauty,
1: Absolutely.
0: which means thin, conventionally attractive, meaning, like, you know, these uh, basically European centric features, mm-hmm. lighter skin. You know, it's just folks like me, folks like you, Siobhan, we get left out of that question, that conversation.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. I was Ooh. also thinking about how ableist that was sitting with me thinking about body neutrality some people don't have access to that
1: Mm. yes bodies they're born
2: into the bodies they move from or to the bodies that are disabled yeah and also the bodies that you can't see from the outside what's different Um,
1: yeah
2: Mm -hmm. um and in a more silent way that those people have to hear that and know that that's not accessible to them and I really appreciate what you acknowledged about I was just sitting here thinking like the whole time I was thinking oh my gosh I have a lot of privilege in this conversation right now um because I do have traditional European features I absolutely do and just thinking of, like it doesn't matter the size of my body actually about that um and I never really thought about it like that so I really appreciated you letting me just be here and sharing the space with me while you were saying that because that had a real impact on me because I have not even thought of that before, right? Which is my privilege that I couldn't even see it. Right. Um, But I yeah. I really appreciate thinking about that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's important um, because we don't know what we don't know, right? right. And when I started my journey, uh, my own embodiment journey, my own fat acceptance journey, like it changed my health coaching. Um, cause I started out like health coaches tend to do, which is like, yes, let's talk about how to eat more vegetables and mm-hmm. drink more water and get more exercise because you need to lose that weight. It just felt so hypocritical to me and it felt hypocritical because that wasn't my lived experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I losing weight, mm, not something I was ever really good at. Um, and, and basically like it my coaching started to be informed by the experiences that I was having. Um, and so I start like doing what most people do is you get really excited about a thing, and you're like, "Let's all get to love. Let's love our bodies. Let's body oh, yes, love it, self all of it, love. And I started to understand trauma. Because that's something that was fun that I didn't realize, which is my work, body liberation. Jen, you talked about this a little earlier, grief and loss. This is trauma. We're talking about trauma. Dieting is causing trauma. Beauty ideals, beauty standards, these things cause trauma. And when I started to realize that I'm actually talking about trauma here not just like oh you just need to be more confident you know like how confident can you be when you have like PTSD you know like, like confidence be damned um, or real access issues or both come on now confidence is never gonna get me fitting in that airline seat I'm sorry <laughs> Yeah. I can be confident as I want to be, well-dressed as I want to be. And that seatbelt still ain't going buckle. Um, so like these things don't matter. These things don't matter that much. They don't matter that much. I mean, they do, but they don't really matter. Um, and I realized that like, okay, I'm out here shouting. You just need to love yourself. And that's unfair to people who just can't find access to that because there are people like Jen was saying who just won't they won't be able to because of dysphoria because of you know a mismatch between their identity and their body presentation because you know because of disability and not because they're disabled but because of how society treats disabled people yes know because they're chronically ill and they're constantly having to grieve the fact that this is a new thing for them and they're no longer gonna have the life that they used to have before, you know, or because they're fat and it is a real, real thing that causes you to have blocks in your life. Um, And like some people, will never be able to get to love. And shouting at them that they need to love themselves and just be confident is actually not helping. It's continuing to harm. So I started to walk back that language and stop using it. Um And I started to say, let's just get to neutrality. Um, we're as close as we can get. Let's get as close as we can because I see this on the spectrum, you know, like there's on one side, like abject body hatred. And on the other side, there's absolute ecstatic body love, which I think is irrational and impossible because like, I don't love my body when I'm sitting there having a poop. I know my body is doing something that is good for it. I know it's doing something it is designed for, but it's just like to sit there and go, this is awesome. I am loving this. Smells so great and healthy. Like, no, this is not happening. (laughs) This is not happening. So like saying to have, you know, like ecstatic like this is this is this is bypassing this is bypassing and what are we doing here we're being and part of human being is feeling your fucking feelings and I feel inconvenienced about the fact that I have to sit here and make this poop because I have other things to be doing rather than sitting here and then i have to worry about wiping and washing my hands afterward and it's just like no i don't want to do any of this i don't want to waste that waste that time leaving behind waste and uh, hashtag tiana talks about poop a lot so oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway So's, so does Jen. <laughs> i mean poop is and we all do it so like yeah. stop let's so let's stop hiding behind it behind it <laughs> the long the long and the short of it is like let's just get away from hating ourselves like let's just get out of loathing let's get close as we can to a place where we can at least be in partnership with our bodies like whatever that looks like because partnership can look like a lot of things <laughs> hello um abusive relationships like these things are real um and I'm sorry if you have one, anybody who's listening to this, like you're doing the best you can, please continue to do the best that you can. Um, anyway, like, let's try to be in the best relationship we can with our bodies, which is like, not the place where we're ecstatically in love, because I think that that's so out of reach for so many of us and so unrealistic. But what is realistic is being able to be like, oh, okay, body. I hear you, you said something, you needed something, I hear you, and I can respond to that. That's that's partnership, that's, that's partnership. I don't love going poop, but I hear my body when it says, hey, we need to poop. And I go, all right, body, let me go get the tablet and see what we can do while we making <laughs> this poop happen. Because- We have work to do, anyway. Yeah let's just get there get to some partnership
1: and you're talking about the flight uh or being in an airplane release really that with me so i flew last week for the first time in two mm. years so obviously covid sucks but that, mm. that was a gift to not even have to think about how to get into an airplane and i did and Jen and i are friends also she's my work soulmate so she's not just my like my <laughs> pod- podcast partner Big hole. Hug. I'm she's hugging also, her across yes, the internet right she's now. She's also a friend, so oh. I texted Jen. I talked. I texted another friend of mine, hey, Tabitha, because she's going to listen to this. Hi, Tabitha. I love tabs. Hi, um, Tabitha. <laughs> Tabitha. <laughs> Tabitha. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, I can't confidence myself into feeling comfortable in that seat, that I'm not no. going to feel comfortable in for three and a half hours. Like that's just nope. not going to happen. And nope. um. When I think about finding more peace around that, it's also, I often think how much privilege I have just to be able to create some better circumstances for myself. Um, yeah. This this plane didn't have larger seats, but if they did, I could have afforded it. And that's a gift right. for myself. I shouldn't have to use more of my resources to be able to go yeah. Um That's, that's bullshit. Um, anyway, that's I, you know, I texted Jen and Tabitha about Finding not even confidence, just advocacy, your step forward in saying, yeah. getting on the plane and before I've even gotten the seat saying, I need a see Like this That's is right. what it is. And then um I don't even know where I was going with this, just talking about your plane safety super anxious because <laughs> oh oh that was it. The embodiment. Like actually ate on the plane. I drank them. Normally, I don't drink because I'm like, I'm not going to the bathroom. I'm not yeah. going to let you see you walking down these aisles. Um, I'm not going to inconvenience anybody because I can't decide if I want the aisle or the window. God forbid I have to sit in the middle. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. Um, that just cannot happen. Um, it's really uncomfortable. But yeah, it's it, you can't tell someone, oh, just be confident. Right. And think, that's it. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to confidence my way into fitting into something that is not designed for someone. So. That's right. It just that really like, yeah. That's right. Thank you.
2: That's oh, right. wow. And that makes me think of clothing, seats, anything yes. else that's mm-hmm. about accessibility, like chairs in a waiting room for yes. anything, like to get your mm-hmm. car fixed and also for the doctor. Yeah. Then mm-hmm. we're told that we should fit those seats. Mm-hmm. Like without being told out loud, right? Which is even more nefarious. That it's not even an out loud thing. It's like, look, there's no options for you. Enjoy your rest. We'll be back with your car. Mm-hmm. And that it's really, they're supposed to fit us. We are human beings, as we have been talking about, not human doings. We don't have to do the doing of fitting. We're supposed to be able to be in those spaces. So they're supposed to be doing the, they being the chairs and the people who design the right. spaces are supposed to have done the doing. And that that is something that is, I hear talked a lot about only because of the, like the job I have and the circle mm. I'm in and the podcast I want to have. Um, I don't hear about it a lot outside of this space. And if i do no. talk
0: about it they don't know what i'm
1: talking about like, what yeah, yeah.
0: What are you talking about? You're, you're just like that, that crazy person who won't stop talking about the arms on chairs yeah. um i like like i said before like i have a background in mechanical engineering i worked as a mechanical engineer for five years um it's really not that hard to accommodate a larger body mm-hmm. however capitalism says that's more expensive, because it is, it's true, it is more expensive to make things larger, or to um, make them out of materials that are stronger, or even to spend more time designing something with a larger use case. Um, These things take time, and time is money, according to capitalism, and capitalism is about making profits, so um, it's not profitable. It's not profitable to accommodate different sizes, because Mm -hmm. what is profitable is taking a plane that is designed for 149 people and actually fitting 302 inside. That's profitable. It's not safe. It's not good for people. People don't enjoy it. It's not pleasurable at all, but it is profitable.
1: Wow. Mm -hmm.
2: That was like a whole room of mics dropping. I'm not quite sure how to how to describe the visual I had, but I like felt the thunderous dropping. That was incredible. Like that feeling of, that's right. There's too many people in that plane. It's not meant for us. What are we doing in there? It's like kind of where my thoughts are going with that.
0: And yeah, wow. And well, just, inter- just, to, just to continue on that. Yeah. <laughs> because, um, you know, uh, sometimes because I watch YouTube. Um, So interesting thing, if you've ever been on a plane and your row does not line up with a window, ever had that experience? Yeah. The reason why is because airplanes are designed with rails on the ground um, so that the company that they sell it to, the specific airline they sell it to, can actually choose the placement of the seats to have more or less seats inside. And that's why sometimes your row doesn't line up with an airline seat because... It was designed to be, um, you know, uh, flexed and changed, which basically means it is a conscious choice. It is a conscious choice for an airline to have small, nasty, narrow seats.
1: Oh my God. It was also the biggest plane I've ever been on in my entire life. And the one that I could, like, I was comfortable in the other ones, but this one there were so many people I could be it was ridiculous. Like, (laughs) how was this plane so big? And I don't, in it, but I can fit in the smaller one i was so huge but that, mm-hmm. that answers it. Because they want to put us in, like, sardines. So they can yep. charge, like, a zillion dollars to yep. make all the money. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, <sighs> This
2: is, <laughs> mm. and this is also reminding me just thinking about all these really functional and accommodating things thinking about seatbelt extenders yes. as well as access from someone in a wheelchair to get mm. from the wheelchair they came with to the plane and then on the other side to safely get their wheelchair back without it being damaged i was just mm. thinking about um, that it's still on us to ask for a seatbelt extender. Yeah, so when I need one, I have to ask for one. I have to know yeah. at the airline, which place I'm supposed to ask, um, how to even use it different yeah. between different airlines. Um, and something I don't experience, um, but people who have, are in wheelchairs who are flying, um, their lifeline can be that wheelchair and probably is in almost all cases. i that felt like a judgment. I'm going to erase that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to repair this in real time. Hold on. These people need their wheelchairs. They need to yeah. have what it is they need to have. Yeah. And that wheelchairs get broken so often. I don't know if I'm paying more attention in the pandemic or what's going on. Maybe I just finally tuned into it. that it happens a lot. And it takes months to years to get a new one back. And they're in the yeah. second location, not where they came from. And if yeah. that place isn't home, what are they supposed to do? Um, mm. this kind of feeling that the burden is on us just keeps continuing as we're talking. Yes. Mm. And when you were uh, zooming all the way back to we've changed, but the world hasn't, mm. that there are going to be more people who need these accommodations, mm-hmm. not less. And there needs to be more awareness, not less. And yet it seems like it's not really moving. People move, Absolutely. and we're being yes. different versions of ourselves. And yet it's the those responsible for the doing are not doing. So I'm getting a little angry as I'm saying that. And just like sitting in this place of that fucking sucks. Mm -hmm. And I wish, I actually wish for a lot of different buttons in life, but I wish for one where I've had a realization that I could make it so everyone gets it in the way that I got it. Especially people in power to be like, you get that you should never break a wheelchair again. It is the thing to have care about that you don't affect Mm -hmm. their whole lives. Like, let's that's, push that button. That's what anger that's does nice. to me. I want a button. That's what I imagined to calm down. So you've heard my little, it's like, yes, I'm calmer. Nice. I found my
0: button. <laughs> the visualization, absolutely. I, you know, it's, um, it's interesting to me in a lot of ways how dominance works because a lot of people who are, Part of the dominant class aren't actually what the dominant class wants to be. What I mean by this—great example. Sorry for this example. It's a—it's also a terrible example, and I know it's super overused. But I'm going to talk about Hitler. Um, Hitler was I would say like the OG white supremacist, but actually I don't even think that's true. I think there was lots of white supremacy going around before Hitler showed up. Um, Hitler wanted to create the Aryan race, the master race. The master race, which was supposed to be German, all fit, blonde-haired and blue-eyed I don't know how tall Hitler was, Wikipedia probably could tell me, but what I do know is that number one, Hitler was Austrian. Hitler was also brown haired. And I think this man had brown eyes. So uh, dominance is ridiculous because folks who are in the dominant class want everybody to conform to some certain thing that they themselves don't conform to, which is ridiculous completely ridiculous but I mean dominance is one of these dishes that is delicious just delicious but there is zero nutrition in it zero nutrition it actually hurts you more than anything in the moment it feels good
1: that's it
2: wow the lack of self-awareness that you just described is pretty pretty telling pretty incredible Mm -hmm. Um, and this also reminds me of lots of cult-like feelings, movements, where it seems like there's a lack of thought. But I've 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 been kind of noodling this around and thinking that the point is not to be the thing, but it's to be right or to be together about it. Or both, I don't know, but that it's like how can we say this is the thing and then how can we make everyone else on board with this? It's a weird, like outside of humanity kind of process. How could you ever be in that kind of, like the warping of life and reality in that? It's very strange to me, but very powerful and enticing, like you're saying. Being part of a collective, no matter what it's about is pretty
0: enticing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's survival Mm -hmm. it's also survival. You know, I mean, maybe you're not 100% on board, but all your friends are all your family's here. Um, And uh, it's hard to like make new friends. So I guess I don't really believe this, but I I'll go along. I'll march with y'all. It's fine for now. Mm -hmm. That happens too. That definitely happens too. Mm -hmm. Oh, but we're also not taught. We are not taught how to question things.
1: Yeah. And you're right. a natural questioner.
0: I, I suppose I am.
2: I, too. I annoy myself with how many questions <laughs> I ask. <laughs> it's for a purpose. It's okay. But I also like. Wow. Can I just
1: just take
0: something at face value?
1: Bee? Yeah. I just
0: enjoy something. <laughs> yeah. I feel you on this. Yeah. But questioning is also how I learned how to make lemon meringue pie, which is my favorite pie. <laughs> one wow. is information. <laughs> I love it. Love
2: it. Wow. Oh, I love this. And as we explored the first half of the title of the podcast, I'm super intrigued about how this conversation is going and about the second half of the title of this podcast. So I'm curious, what does the rest of us mean to you and how do you identify with the rest of us? And in this space, we often ask if you can identify your privileges for the nuance of looking at it in both ways.
0: This is a great question. And I don't say that like flippantly. I say that like really, truly, honestly, because um, identifying my privileges and this con- the context for quote unquote, the rest of us is really important. Um, so I am a fat biracial um woman of color, I'm queer, Um, I'm a parent, I'm partnered, uh, and all of the above. And in my biraciality, um, I'm black and Chamorro, and what Chamorro is, is um, the indigenous people of Guam. So my mom is from Guam. And so, yeah, I'm somebody who really hasn't ever really been One of them, I have always been somebody else. I've never really fit neatly into any nice little box. Um, And uh, that actually really informs a lot of my personality (laughs) and also my work Um, because my lived experience is the lived experience of someone who is marginalized, but has, Always lived on the margins. Like I've, i just, I've never been, and I've, I've never been one to cool kids. Mm. I, 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 that's not really completely true because I was voted homecoming, like not homecoming queen, but I was, I was nominated for homecoming queen my senior year of high school, okay. which was a complete and total. It, it, it was a surprise to me um when I got the phone call that I was nominated. I was like, "This is a joke. Who is this pranking me?" Um, because this was before cell phones and so when your phone rang like uh it was attached to the wall and you didn't always know who was calling <laughs> um so anyway uh yeah, I was nominated for homecoming Kong Queen which was weird as hell um it was a weird experience it was really surreal for me because I sort of was like oh I didn't realize I was popular y'all okay people know who I am great and also frightening um essentially like uh yeah the rest of us are those of us who aren't included by default and you know even saying by default that's not true there is no real default there's only the default that is chosen and dictated by the dominant parties um And so if you're not somebody who fits within dominance, the dominant party, you're not one of them, you're one of us. And the thing is really interesting um, that to be honest, these kind of dominant structures exist everywhere, even out in the fringes, because, you know, in the spaces that I run in, for example, fat liberation spaces and fat, um, fat activism, fat acceptance spaces, there is actually a dominant sort of party within these spaces, which are you know, people who are on the smaller end of the fat spectrum. Um, also, the better they conform to ideal idealized beauty standards, um, the more likely they are to be lifted up, um, Heard, given platforms, um, be called out in a in an article, have a big following on social media, things like that. Not because they're brilliant or especially brilliant, because I do feel like a lot of people who are out here are brilliant. I mean, being a fat public person proudly is hard. It's hard, and if you're doing that, you're fucking brilliant. Um, but there are other people who have deeper critical analyses, you know, <clears throat> uh, people like me, <laughs> I claim that one, I would claim that one, um, you know, yes. or, or like who, who really know how to connect the fact that like, you know, this is not a one issue situation. Like you can't only focus on fatness and not think about the other intersections um, shout out to Kimberly Crunshaw, Um, but also, you know, Audrey Lorde, mother Audrey says, yes. um, you know, uh, what did, what is, what did she say? She said, uh, there are no sing- Oh gosh. There are like no single issues because I I don't live a single issue life or something like this. I, I love Audrey Lorde. I butcher her quotes all the time. Um, but it, she brilliant, or she was brilliant, and I'm glad her work lives on. Um, but ultimately, like, if you're not in the in crowd, for whatever reason, you're a weirdo or a queerdo or whatever that is, that's us, that's the rest of us. And how do you identify
1: your privileges
0: in, you know, this context? Mm, the privileges are interesting because, oh, these are always the hardest ones to talk about, right? (laughs) Like, it's sort of like um, in fashion to talk about, you know, how you're marginalized, but to talk about your privileges is always harder. I mean, I'm certainly privileged um, in a lot of ways and some of them are really hard to hold onto, like knowing that I can both be extremely marginalized on one hand and privileged extremely also on the other hand. Um, I think one one of my big privileges I have pretty privilege I haven't I've been told many times like I oh, have a nice face you know and then that's the that's also traumas weaking like oh, all the times that people said oh you have a pretty face and what they really mean is like you know too bad you're fat um you know so like there's a lot of trauma in, like oh somebody thinks I'm pretty I'll take it it's great you know um Anyway, that's that's also another podcast to talk about. Podcast episode number three. Um, yes. Anyway, <laughs> I'm just gonna throw those up in the air. Um, but yeah, so I have pretty privilege. I'm light skinned, which actually, uh, you know, when you start knowing things about colorism and lookism, we we check these boxes. Um, number uh, another privilege that I have is, uh, um, God, so many of them just jumped up. I have some financial privilege. Like I'm not struggling to pay my rent or anything like that, even though that doesn't, that doesn't mean that my business is making lots of money, but what it does mean is that I don't need to hustle hard because my business is what's paying my rent. I have a husband who affords to do that because he's French. Um, Yes. Also another privilege. I'm married to a white guy. Um, And, uh, and there's that. And then like, you know, I, I I'm, easily identifiable as a feminine person. And so far we identify as a feminine person. So um, these things work, they're also privileges I have. Um, another privilege, I have a college education. Um, I also have a an easy to listen to voice, <laughs> which is helpful a lot of the times when you're trying to make points about things. Um, I oh god we're gonna have an exhaustive list we're not gonna have an exhaustive list but we're gonna have, I have nice big boobs which have served me very well <laughs> a lot of times in my life um, <laughs> yeah I I can be funny like um I I can I can be funny so like yes i i'm really I, I get real awkward and like humor is actually my my response to feeling awkward about things um so that's a privilege um, also i think that uh, i might have adhd and i'm saying that out you, loud you nowadays more often than not and um it's quite amusing to me because in being somebody so marginalized. I have had to mask so hard, which means that even the things that like are on the assessment, I don't really, I can't really say yes to these things. So it's hard to like actual actually get a diagnosis for for ADHD because I have had to mask so hard um, that I'm like really good at performing neurotypicality. So there's also that as a privilege. I know how to spell real good. I do. I love spelling. I spell really good. It's important to me. Um, Yeah. All of these things are privileges for me um, that really help me quite a lot. I'm a bit tall. I'm five foot seven. I'm five foot eight, if you like me. But I'm five foot seven. And that also helps because I am i have a large frame. I have a big, big, broad shoulders and there's really nothing small on me. And uh, these things are privileges as well. Um, they're also drawbacks. But another thing is I don't visually look like any specific racial identity. Mm. So this is also very helpful because people project on me a lot. Like, oh, you're Dominican, you're Puerto Rican, uh, you're your mama's Thai, huh? You know, like, it's just, it's been fun. It's been a lot of fun playing that game. I think I've been Native American one time, which was pretty cool, but also, what? <laughs> hmm. Yeah.
1: You were delightful. I just need to say that a lot. Uh, that was wonderful.
0: Aww. This is also a privilege. I'm able to do that. Like, I apparently am really good at making people feel welcome.
1: Yeah, I agree with
0: that. Absolutely. That's awesome. Ooh.
2: Yeah. For people who can't see us, we both have, Siobhan and I both have our head in our hand because we're just like looking at Diana like longingly and lovingly. It's really love.
1: It's really great. <laughs> and I, I think that a kind of privilege that a lot of something that came to mind as you're saying it is um, is that you can name some of these privileges and sometimes you don't have to, right? So like yeah. um having ADHD makes you the rest of this, but Diana, you mean possibly having ADHD as a privilege. So Yeah. Do you see it as more of a kind of marginalizing thing or more of a privilege thing in your life?
0: Oh my goodness. That's fantastic. So the thing that's really interesting about identities, especially ones that are marginalized, um, they are both things that hold you back and also things that make you a fucking superhero um, because having ADHD means that I have executive dysfunction, which like I, I don't have the hyperactivity and you know all of that stuff but, executive dysfunction hell yeah this morning it took me 20 minutes to get no it didn't take me 20 minutes it took me a lot longer it took me a really long time to get dressed this morning because I couldn't find a bra because my husband hung them up in a different place because we just moved recently and I didn't know where they were and then I couldn't have I couldn't figure out what to have for breakfast you know, and, and this is, <laughs> this is, so basically what I did was I had a leftover piece of pizza and a, and a glass of juice and sat down to start working, mm-hmm. um, and ate sunflower seeds to kind of tide myself over until lunch when I had a proper lunch or a proper lunch. That's a judgment term, but like, you know, a more full, a filling, you know, sustaining lunch. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like it's executive dysfunction. Um, I couldn't do a basic thing which just made this cascade of ridiculousness happen. However, it also has forced me to cope and find ways to, I'm resourceful as hell, I'm resourceful as hell. I've been living in Europe um, since 2011 full time and I actually came here for a job back in 2009. I was here for a year. Um, I lived in Germany, not speaking German, not looking German at all and um, like on my own 100% pretty much and figuring out how to deal, like how to do things in German, in a small town in Northeastern Germany where places don't really have websites. They do now probably, but back then they did not really have websites because that part of the country was behind the Iron Curtain for many years. So they're still catching up, you know? And so like, you can't do a lot of the things that you would normally do. Like when I lived in New Jersey, for example, it would be like, I don't know when the store is open, let me just search and see the website, you know, because at least back then everybody at least had started to have a website with like their opening hours and their phone number, you know, or you could just like call, you could open the phone book and find the number and call. It's hard to do that when you don't speak German and everybody else around you does. But I was able to make that happen. I was able to like Figure out how to do things and take care of myself and actually like survive. I had such a good time when I was in Germany that first year, um, and like being marginalized, um, having grown up in in hand to mouth poverty, like uh, having you know my stepfather pass at when I was I wasn't quite fourteen, um, like all of these things have helped me learn how to do stuff in a different way because I didn't have privileges, you know, Um, and I didn't have access and I didn't have resources. And not having resources causes you to be resourceful. Some folks call it ghetto, you know, because um, you cut up a box to do an XYZ or you're like flossing your teeth with (laughs) the package that the Doritos were in. But the fact of the matter is, is actually, no, this is resourcefulness. This is you taking what is available to you and making do, making things happen. So that, this is why these things are also a good thing. I mean, honestly, like being fat is one of the sort of I, I was going to say joys. And I was like, no, that's not what I want to say. Um, It's, it's been, it's been sort of a blessing in disguise. And the reason why is because being fat brought me to where I'm at today. You know, um, if I had not been fat, I would not have been on this journey. I would not have been having to ask these questions or struggling or challenging myself or the world that I live in, you know? No, these things have, this is also good as well as bad. Mm.
2: Mm. Ooh, the dialectics, one of my favorite words ever yes. of something, but it's the both and. And good. Like, not that they're against each other, but like they're in some yes. kind of like swirl together. Um, and Siobhan, as you were reminding me what I said when we were talking about our rest of us, the conversation, I was like, oh, wow, I don't even agree with myself from the past. This is so interesting. Even before Tiana said anything, I was like, oh, you know what? I don't think I agree with that at all. So I really begun to see it as a privilege because I was able to mask in a way that made me do be a human doing yeah. in a way that made me accepted in a way that like also lit up my brain right so I was able to cope and in the last five years where I'm like oh maybe I want to relax for the first time in my life Mm -hmm. oh god yes Um,
1: like
2: like maybe I want to have just a day where I don't actually do anything first of all I have no experience with that not one day in my life before the last five years had I ever experienced Mm -hmm. that ever yeah. Like, unless I was like horribly sick from pushing myself too far, which is not, of course, the same. I mean, like a, a peaceful yeah. day, you know, mm-hmm. designed by me, fulfilled by me, all of that. Yeah. Um, where I was like, oh, but it's really hard to do this. I don't know how to do it. And I had to unmask to be able to do it. Yeah. Right. And to have been able to stay masked that long was a privilege. Not even, um, I did try to seek a diagnosis and my mom did as well when I was much younger. Um, but I didn't have to have it to be able to be in the world. And in fact, it got me where I would like to have gone. Um, and I, I really was really resonating with the last thing you said that like fatness brings us somewhere. So I'm in a mid fat body, right? I, I technically have a straight size body. Like these, the nuances of I'm fat and also I'm straight sized. I'm sitting in a place of privilege in a world that is not privileged. Well, compared to the standard, the ideal Mm. you were talking about, it's important to look in, I was going to say both directions, but I'm going to rephrase that. It's, it's important to look in all directions from where we are at our privilege, at how we're marginalized, at who and what is holding us down at who Mm. lifts us up. Like, what are the, what are the hows, like the really juicy, interesting details, I'm only interested in them, because of experiences where I have not felt like the privileged one, that's Mm -hmm. actually how I got that perspective. And I have never thought about that in my life or even put words to that. Not like that. So I appreciate that very much. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna, I, I feel like I have 20 or 30 journal prompts from you today. Right. At least <laughs> to like, like, wow, I've never talked about it in this. And I think the directionality of language, I can't mm-hmm. wait to talk about intuitive eating and healthy research yes. with you, because I think about the direction of language about that in so many directions all mm-hmm. the time. I just can't wait.
0: Now, so here's the other thing that I do want to say, because I know there is very much this narrative, especially when you're talking about a Black woman, it's like, oh, you know, um, like Black women, they take out, they can do anything because they're so strong, you know, and and basically that strength comes from the necessity to survive. Like, I mean, basically the basic biological, the basic biological drive of survival, but also like, you know, you have to become resourceful because you don't have resources. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is like, I I sort of like, I want to acknowledge this is why I'm resourceful. I'm resourceful because I didn't have resources. Mm-hmm. But also, and I'm gonna glorify that. I don't wanna say like, we should all like go struggle so we can be resourceful. Like, no, let's not do that. Like, can we find a way? Like, I mean, I, and I think like, this is part, also of what informs my work toward liberation is that like can we find a place where we can like be resourceful because we want to be or it's mm. interesting or like we develop it because this is which is what we're into versus being forced into it. like mm. like let's let's do that, you know because like yes, having marginalizations and having challenges, is going to probably force you into something better. I mean, diamonds are formed by adding lots and lots of pressure over amazing amounts of time on very simple carbon atoms. Um, However, like, we don't have to do it that way. I mean, of course, I guess if we want diamonds, we're gonna have to do it that way, but like, we don't have to become diamonds, damn it. Like, just like, can I just, can I just be?
1: Maybe be a cute
0: lump of coal yeah <laughs> mm. yes just be a lump of coal lump of coal is useful oh, i play stardew you know? valley i play stardew valley lump of coal is like necessary so so mm. precious
2: oh this is reminding me of what you were saying earlier tana about gifts right sometimes mm. they're diamonds sometimes they're coal they have a purpose yes they I was also thinking of like the why of things right why because I was forced is so different from the why because I choose to yes um and also like the other in between space where someone facilitates that for us like the why of following someone else towards liberation all of that was kind of sitting for me as you were talking about that that I don't think I asked that question enough. I'm not sure an entire many fields of people and just like human beings ask that question enough, actually, now that I'm sitting with that. Mm -hmm. Like, what is the why? Like thinking about, um, like my training as a dietitian is to talk about the what of food, but actually what's important is the why of food. There's almost no importance in the what of food. Mm -hmm. Like you can go look that up on the internet. Talking to me is not about the what.
1: Mm -hmm. It's about
2: the why and, this is something that's hard for me as a dietitian. It's so trained into me and my brain just lights up with being like, I know something about that and why they're eating or not eating. And why, why of the, what even is so important and to leave space for that changes the power dynamic, which is I'm hearing is this really lovely and delicious Mm -hmm. undercurrent of everything we're talking about is like, how does the power shift?
0: Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, what is liberation other than being able to take back your power? Um, because the whys of things are really important. And right now I'm leading a group reading of Sabrina String's book, Fearing the Black Body, The Racial Origins of Phobia. We on chapter three and I <laughs> just, I just, it's so, it's so, it's so difficult to read. It's so difficult to read because it's like, we're still here mm-hmm. we're talking about things that happened in the 1600s and we're still here like the attitudes have not changed this is 400 years later and we're still here and it's it's so upsetting to read that um and and it's just like ugh. like basically the notes that I'm taking sort of oscillate between like why the fuck are we still doing this? And also, cis men are gross and always have been. This is like all that's in my notes. Right. Um, but then there's also the one that like I keep circling, which is so many things are the way they are because some random ass white dude with power and money just arbitrarily decided so. Mm-hmm. There's no real reason behind it. It's just arbitrary. It's like that sounds good. I I like that today. Yeah, we're gonna do that now. Can we start
1: the way
2: we relate to all people about this? That seems great.
0: (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) That's
1: a
2: real fast-forwarding takeoff kind
1: of garbage. (laughs) Garbage.
2: Garbage. Total shit. (laughs) That's what I was thinking as you were talking. I was like,
0: oh, this total shit. Yes, this this is what my notes look like. Just like this is garbage. Like I'm I'm <laughs> highlighting things and just writing like this is garbage. Gross, just gross. Like gross. so much yeah. of that.
2: In the margins of that book, I wrote WTF. I wrote, yeah, I wrote what the a fuck lot. a lot. Yeah. I wrote circle back WTF. I wrote that a lot. Like I don't even know what to think about this except what the
1: fuck. That's what mm. It's a lot. So it's a lot.
2: I relate to that. Right? And I'm a person in a white body. I'm, I have all these privileges and I'm reading that and feeling anger, despair. How can it still be like this? And knowing that I'm like, like, it's like a sample size taste, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like nothing. Um, And it's ever present. Yeah, it's ever present. Mm -hmm. I'm just now noticing, but it's ever present.
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Humbling. A lot. Can we talk about what you think about into being and their
0: things, and where do you think they fall short? They fall short? Ooh. Ooh. Let's talk some shit. <laughs> this is <laughs> juicy. Um, in the parlance. Ready. <laughs> in the parlance of the queer population. I'm about to spill some tea. So, um, yeah. <laughs> so I, up until recently, had never read Intuitive Eating. <laughs> I'm referred to it. <laughs> right. I'm just like, yeah, I know what this is about. Absolutely. Um but I uh yeah. So I've been I have a I have a, a weekly support group, an introductory support group for body liberation called Fat Freedom Foundation, because the foundation of freedom is support, y'all. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so basically I just came up with that the other day. But anyway, um, a lot of them have this book or the workbook or both, and they have all gotten stuck at some point. Um, and I was like, all right, y'all keep talking about this. Maybe I should fill in my blanks because I don't really know the details. So I started listening to the audiobook because that's all I have capacity for right now. I do not have space to be reading books, which I love books. I have so many books and I want. I love everything about like holding and turning pages and all of that stuff. I love it, but I don't have capacity for it right now. So, um I got the audiobook and uh I actually questioned myself many times up until about chapter 3 if it was being read by a person or a robot. I wasn't sure. So I'm sorry to the person, if you're listening to this, who actually narrated that book, um, you took a long time to warm up. And I don't know if those were directions, you know, if that was your stage direction or what, but I was just like, ooh, this is real robotic. So it was really hard to like nestle into what they were trying to give me. and what I understand is that the authors have done a lot of work um, on trying to fill in the gaps and add lenses to their things and all that good stuff. And I haven't finished the book yet because it's like 16 hours of audiobook, Um And I just moved. I, don't, I, have, a, I have a child. I have a business I'm trying to run. Like, folks be busy. I got to sleep sometimes and poop. Um, yeah. So, like, so, like, you I'm know, a human being, right? So, it takes time, it's, it's taking me a lot of time to get through it. And then sometimes I fall asleep and I have to like rewind and listen again. So, it's a lot. um But basically, like, I surface level love intuitive eating as an idea. However, one thing I keep hearing. Well, there's something else I keep hearing. But one thing I keep hearing is sort of the idea that it's like easy and super doable and anybody can do it. And then it solves all your problems and you never have problems again. And that's like, it's that last problem really that keeps pissing me off because they have these use cases that they put in, um, which I understand why they're there. You know, it's like social proof. It's like a testimonial um, of, you know, Gary came into our office and he had XYZ problem. And he was actually a secret dieter. And then through our work together, we exposed that he was a secret dieter. And then he started doing intuitive eating and he's not a secret dieter anymore. And his whole life is great. He just great, just great. And I'm just like, yes, but (laughs) like what I know about the journey to body liberation is this shit is number one is uphill it's rough this is not a smooth gentle road no 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 it is rough and rocky and there are giant crevasses all over the place and sometimes you trip and you roll down that damn hill like sometimes you just go backwards like and that's the thing is that like every step toward liberation is not necessarily forward, you know? So like the way they present it in this book is just like, just follow our steps and you will magically be better. And I understand why they're saying that, you know, they're trying to help people. They're trying to sell books. Um, They really believe in what they're doing. But the fact that you can use intuitive eating, you can read this whole book and then actually use their process as a diet. Yes, that a lot,
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. says a lot, actually. Um, says a lot. So that's that's what I've got there for that. And then health at every size is a wonderful place to start. Yeah. It's a wonderful place to start. And I understand that Lindo Bacon um, with Lucy Afremor together updated the work and put out Body Respect. I have not yet read Body Respect. Um, but I do have to say that, like, it's interesting, um, because it was super liberating for me to come to hear this paradigm that health can be had at every size. And then I'm challenged by this regularly by being in community with people who have disability or chronic illness, you know, who are actively saying, no, no, I'm sick. I am sick and I'm never going to be healthy. And like my little do-gooder, you know, trained as a health coach hard is like, but wait, no, health is individual. Like I want to challenge that. And then people like Deshaun Harrison be out here writing whole ass books, basically saying (laughs) things like, look, you know, um, health is a construct not made for the rest of us. And I'm just like, but no, Deshawn.
1: No, we we
0: can we can
1: reclaim it. Be
0: like, let's reclaim some shit. Let's take it all back. But it's both and, right? Let's reclaim the hell out of this. But also, health wasn't made for us. So, yeah, it's it's complicated, right? It's complicated. Uh, they're great places to start. I think they're great I places to start. That. Absolutely. I don't get stuck
1: love... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. We're oh, no,
0: just like a... oh, just like just, just don't get stuck there. That's that's all I had to yeah, say. That's start there, absolutely, so that's but don't get stuck yeah. there.
1: Yeah, and I, I that's how I started. I was a we talked about before and overeater's anonymous for <laughs> mis- <laughs> a survivor, basically, and that's yeah. how I found it. That's how I found intuitive eating. That's how I found Haze and I can say categorically that they saved my life. I truly believe that, but I think there has to be some expansiveness past that. And I know that's also for me at least, that is again a privilege for me. Um that I even have the capacity to realize that, the capacity yeah. to work towards something further. Yeah. But it definitely saved my life. I just think that there's but I think there's riffle growth and everything. And then so I yeah. worked with uh, I worked with uh Alicia McCullough, who interviewed right oh, two people before you and um she and I were talking about, like, what's next? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> because I feel like anything that comes next can easily be co opted can easily, easily be manualized. So, made to a manual of some sort right. that takes the nuance out of it, that takes mm-hmm. the, um individualization out of it. But if there's no yes. individualization, then it's a it's another thing that we have to get stuck in but there has to be something so there's some definition so that it's not popped into this like bullshit uh let's all do yoga and eat meat grass bullshit whatever right um, exactly some definition too but i don't know what it is i i like yeah. to say there's something wrong with it but i don't know what it is i don't know what's next i don't want to be the person that comes up with it um something's something's gotta get up
0: there yeah Absolutely. I mean, one of the things that really has to give is the faces of the movement need to change. Um, And not just visually, not just visually, but actually who is on the board, who is really making the decisions, um, who actually has the power, and who is in control of where the money goes. These things are important. We need this representation because it's like, you know, neither one of these people who wrote the book, okay, zero of these people who wrote these books, um, Intuitive Eating was not written by people who have lived experience as fat people. Mm -hmm. Hayes, Health at Every Size, Lindo Bacon has never been. I mean, I think Lindo Bacon in the book was writing about they actually have um, been larger, Mm -hmm. but Lindo Bacon was never, as far as I understand, like a large fat, Um, same as as what I understand for Lucy Afremor. So I appreciate the work of all these people, all four of them who have written these books. However, like it's not my lived experience, even Sabrina Strings Mm. who wrote like, you know, this book putting together like the pointing at the intersection between fat phobia and racism or specifically anti-blackness. So anti-blackness and anti-fatness, how they intersect. Like, she's not fat either. She's never been fat, you know? And and so it's just like, like look, um, I'm glad that I can add to my pantheon a black face. However, like my bodily representation is still missing. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay.
2: Ooh. Um... This is reminding me of some earlier pitfalls and errors that I did um, in anti-racist training. It's feeling mm. so related right now, like the, the demand of me, the white woman of, I need a manual. like ah. I need a portfolio of every how everything is gonna be done. That's how I'm gonna do anti-racist work. Yeah. My first training was with Rachel Cargill. It was one of the very first things she said, just wiped from the slate immediately and incredibly. Um, but it's like what goes there and I think that when diet culture gets wiped or we try to wipe it that's what the whole first chapter of intuitive eating is supposed to be addressing the first two chapters that it's like let's wipe this clean but what fits in there and what did was chosen to be wiped clean definitely has these slants and narratives that you're talking about of privilege and lack of lived experience of being in a larger body and it also makes me think of Invisible things and chronic illness things, like not invisible to the people experiencing them. I mean, we can't like judge them from far away Um, or close up, that it's interoception and proprioception, which I'm sure I've already said on this podcast, I talk about this a lot with my own clients as Mm -hmm. well, that like, sure, I'm a certified intuitive eating counselor and let's talk about the nuances. Let's talk about the pitfalls. I'm okay Mm -hmm. if you take some and leave some, like this is not the end all be all of this. And something else, Tiana, that I thought you said was just so important is that there is not a destination to this of eating intuitively and, like, getting the championship trophy and, like, going and telling everyone that you have it. And then every year you can meet up with the other trophy holders, although there is an element of that in intuitive yes. eating support groups. Um my clients often come to me because they've had that experience, but they need to not be with other trophy holders. They need right. to be in a more nuanced, vulnerable. Uh, you mentioned um, bypassing. yeah, And I was also thinking of like the toxic positivity aspect. Um, yes, It's okay to be on a journey. Mm-hmm. It's okay to, oh my gosh, when you said there is not just like, there's not just forward. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm.
1: there isn't.
2: You can go in any direction you want. That's right. Um, Intuitive eating, health at every size, anything can take you anywhere. It can take you in any direction. Even assume the direction feels not okay. I'm sorry, I'll No, it's okay.
0: But what you're saying right now is exactly what I was saying earlier, where it's like, when we're working towards liberation, we're still taking our conditioning with us. Mm. Intuitive eating as a practice is working towards liberation liberating ourselves from the oppression of diet culture however it has taken with it the conditioning that was you know held by the the authors and Mm. you know and like people who are looking for the trophy they're looking for you know the, the finishing lap and the victory lap you know to celebrate at the end they're looking for like I have arrived this is also that conditioning that we have taken with us and we're just not comfortable with like this is just 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 a ride we just go in go in and going. we're gonna keep on doing that we're not comfortable with that So it's really Mm, important to start becoming comfortable with it. Yes. Mm.
1: Yes.
2: Oh my God, all I have is noises right now. Right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. That's good. Mm. That's good. On one of your Instagram posts a while ago, you mentioned something called the safety of sovereignty. What is
0: that, and what does it look like to, or for you? I laugh because my knee-jerk reaction is I want to sound really smart. Um, and the <laughs> okay, the safety of sovereignty is a phrase that I came up with when I was writing my love notes for the new year. Um, I decided to do this. This, I don't know. I decided to do a thing where every day I just wrote a love note, just some sort of affirming thing um, to help to cut through diet culture nonsense that happens in January. And I ran it as a way, you know, like I send it people um, who signed up for my newsletter list. And I also put it out on social media because I was like, I don't want you giving me your email address to be like a block or not giving me my your email address to be a block for you, get it, receiving this love, you know, that I just wanted to put out in the world. So the challenge is January has 31 days <laughs> and you need, you know, and I was trying to have something like completely different every day.
1: <sighs> it was really hard.
0: It was really hard. Like, I think I got to 16 and I was like, yeah. And then I was like, ooh, you only halfway done. Um, <laughs> what else are you going to say? So safety of sovereignty, I, I get it. I don't even remember what the rest of it says what the rest of the love note says, but, but safety of sovereignty is a phrase that I kick myself about. <laughs> because like after I made the thing, I was really excited. And then like, I put it up and I was just like, ooh, the hell does that mean? <laughs> and then I did um, a, a journaling um a journaling thing afterward where I was taking the love notes and using them as, as as a basis followed by a few prompts based on the love note themselves for journaling. And coming up with questions for the safety of sovereignty, love note was challenging because I was like, again, what the hell do you need?
1: <laughs>
0: this is how sometimes you have a moment of brilliance and you still haven't fully processed something. So you got to come back around to it. So I had to redefine it for myself. Cause I was like, what the hell do I mean here? Um, so sovereignty essentially is this beautifully love. Oh, it's a beautiful word. It's this beautiful big word that essentially means that you are in charge. You know, you, you have dominion and ownership of something and like, each and every one of us are sovereign beings. However, we're not conditioned that way. And the cultures that we live in are putting things on us, such as laws, um, where our choices are affected. So we may not feel like we have sovereignty, like we are able to choose, like, like we have the agency to make a difference in how things are going for ourselves. And that's not true. We have a lot of choice, which also can be infringed upon, depending on how what your identities are and how you're marginalized. Um, but one of the most amazing things you can do is to find your sovereignty, is to find that place where you are like, no, no, I have control here. There are some things I cannot change, like. I am not a lawmaker, I cannot change laws. But that doesn't mean that you can't write a letter to your local lawmaker or your, you know, representative lawmaker and somehow enact, like make change happen, like be part of the landslide that that happens. Um, all of that to say, there is a safety in sovereignty. When you can, embrace and reclaim that this is mine and I can do what I need to do here. I can get things done. That's an amazingly empowering place to be. And there's a safety there because you're in charge, you know? Um and I realize I'm saying the same words over and over again, but but essentially that's that. Like, you know, I think the love note was like may you have the the pleasure or something of experiencing the safety of sovereignty you know which is essentially when you take all the big words out of it just saying like I really want you to find your power and stand in it
2: I was thinking of like a classic way of talking about this like a self-determination and how that always occurred to me as super academic sounding, mm. very like founding fathers, white men mm. talking about what we should all philosophically do, even when they're the <laughs> the very few exceptions to a lot of things. That there is there is an element of containment that happens even around agency and autonomy because it's inside of a system: the patriarchy, the medical industrial complex, like inside. and what you how you were just talking about it really sounded expansive Mm -hmm. like the perspective is one of being expansive if you're safe what could you do like if you're Mm -hmm. safe what would you want to do how does it differ like what is your why in the safety of sovereignty just felt that was like a hug i i loved your love notes for the new year I did all of your journal prompts. And this is not like a pat myself on the back thing. It's like each and every one was so special wow, and so incredible. I'm pretty sure I shared them all too. I was like, here you go, here you go, here you go. Hey everybody, look at this. Um, There's something in the way that you look at something, your perspective is just expansive. Just you are expansive. And I can feel that right now as you were describing it, I'm remembering it from the experience
1: of seeing the love notes. Thank you. It's wonderful.
0: Thank you. I appreciate that. I mean, that was the intention behind them was just like, you know, every day you're going to get ads on social media. They're like new year, new you. And Mm -hmm. here, let's change everything about you because the calendar changed and clearly you're wrong for this year. So let's change that. And I was like, no, 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 let's let's counter that. Let, Let me just send you a little bit of love. Just, just like, Hey, Okay.
1: Okay.
2: Yeah, what if you're enough? What a beautiful thing to share with all of that other
1: nonsense going on. Mm -hmm. Mm. I can feel it now.
0: (laughs) I loved that project. I to bring it back.
2: So here as we're starting to wrap up this podcast, we've talked about a lot of big and small picture perspectives, your perspective, your expansive perspective we were just talking about in this conversation. What do you think we can all do to make a difference with what we've learned and sat with you today?
0: Mm, This is a good question. Um, mm, I am struggling to answer this question in the moment, Uh, partially because there's so many things that come to mind. But also like if something you heard today makes you uncomfortable, I want you to try to sit with that. You know, try not to rush to action or criticism or whatever. Like sit, sit with it. Sit with it. Roll it around in your mouth. You know, let it shower your brain. You know, let it live on your chest for a couple of days. Just just sit in that. And I know it's gonna be uncomfortable, sitting in fucking uncomfortable mm-hmm. to to sit with discomfort. I mean, literally discomfort, mm-hmm. not comfortable. Um, it's hard. It's really hard. But just try to sit there with it. And after you've sat there for whatever is the amount of time that you can stand, ask yourself, why was that uncomfortable? And see what comes
1: That's wonderful I can't wait to go back and edit this and sit with what's making me uncomfortable feel I, I learned so much no. mm.
2: thank you when you said let it sit on your chest I was like oh there are things there are sitting things. on my chest yeah. I felt them I felt them from this conversation yeah. This feels really
1: important yeah yeah Thank you so much for being here with us. As we finish this episode today, what would you like everyone listening to know about what you're up to and how they can find you? And also, what direction do you see your career and or what do you in the future?
0: Ooh, these are, these are big questions. Um, so if you want to follow me around on social media, I don't hang out there hard, but I'd be there. Um, you can find me on Instagram at I am Tiana Dodson. Um, I'm also on Facebook, but not really on Facebook. Posts happen there. And posts also happen on Twitter, also at I am Tiana Dodson. Um, but really, Instagram is a place to find me if you want to see what I'm up to on social media. And I, ooh, what's going on in the future? Well, I'm building a course I know I didn't know that I was building a course um (laughs) I was just making a teaching space for myself um but also as I say that out loud I realize a teaching space is probably a course bitch you know I'm making a teaching I'm making a course I'm creating a course um which is formerly known as Body Liberation Practice Space. That's what I was calling it. That was its working title, but um, I'm now calling it Fat Freedom Practice Space Um, because yes, body liberation, but also fat freedom. Maybe somehow that comes first. Um, So yeah, I'm building Fat Freedom Practice Space, which is going to be a course. Uh, It's gonna be a year long so far, um, where what we're doing together is we're going to be learning the skills um, that we can use to get us to fat freedom, both for ourselves and for everyone. Because actually that's something that's really necessary there are a lot of skills that are necessary. I mean, of course, it's important to have education. It's, it's it's important to know what the systems are, absolutely. But like, if you don't know how to deal with that, if you don't know how to have a conversation with somebody who doesn't agree with you, um, it's gonna be really hard, it's gonna be really hard for you. So um, yeah, we're, we're gonna be learning that as well as going over some of the lovely hot button things that are really important to know that are keeping fat freedom from being a thing. Um, In addition, it's a practice space. So it's a learning space. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a place where I'm going to lovingly hold you so you can ask those questions that feel taboo because we all need a place for that. We all need a place for that. So that's coming up. I don't know what it's going to be released because every time I look at it, it seems to grow a little bit. So, but that's what's coming in the future. And um, what am I up to? Well, I've got several things that I'm up to um, that I've mentioned also. So one of them is I've got fat freedom foundation, which is my introductory support community for body liberation. Um, We're meeting every Saturday to just be in community with other fat people. Um, who are just out here in these streets having a hard-ass time. Um, And actually celebrate some things sometimes because there are some lovely things to celebrate um, within just our human experience. So if you're looking for community and you're looking for support, um, yeah, come join us. Uh, And, I'm also releasing something else called Fat Freedom Moments. Um, This I'm really excited about because this has been in the works for a while because the tech side has been challenging. And what Fat Freedom Moments are, are little teeny interruptions right to your phone. So it's going to be a text messaging service. Yeah. So if you sign up with that, um, you'll be receiving one text message from me each week. That will disrupt the diet culture nonsense of the everyday. Yeah. Yeah. Oh
1: my gosh. That's I love that. That's really exciting. Really yep.
2: cool. yeah. <laughs> I've turned really red as I do by the end of every podcast, but I was it's also because I'm excited.
1: <laughs> excellent. That's excellent. Oh.
2: Pretty darn red. Oh, there's a red thing behind me. You can see it's so. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> i so look forward to all those things um, and that note of fat freedom throughout feels like naming something that is not always on the forefront and named we tend to be with more nebulous words like we're in the cloud somewhere yeah. And we're like eventually gonna get to some specific words, but let's talk about the cloudy stuff first. Like that was like straight to it. I
1: love, I love it, oh, love it. Absolutely, thank you. Oh, wow, wow, wow! Oh my gosh, this is everything. Thank you so, so, yes. so, so much.
0: Yes, this has been fun. Oh. This has been a lot of fun.
1: Everything. <laughs> Ooh, Shavon singing, she loves like it. Ooh, I love it. <laughs> I said a uh, lot. Like if you just like watch me and like me random
0: songs all the time. But anyway, you don't need to
1: know that. Title. So good. It's so good. This has been awesome. <laughs> and affirming and, and affirming. wonderful, and we feel so heard and held by you. And just uh, just And I'm pretty sure we can be
0: asking to do it? I would love it. I would love it. Ah,
2: okay. okay. That like that makes my weekday, month, and year. Yes. Or whatever <laughs> order they're in. Yeah. Thank you
1: yeah
0: well, thank you for having me it has been an absolute pleasure i've really enjoyed oh, this conversation Much. Mm.
2: thank you for listening to season one of the embodiment for the rest of us podcast episodes will be published every two weeks wherever
1: you listen to podcasts
0: you can also find the podcast at our website embodiment
1: and follow us in social media on twitter at embodiment us
2: and on Instagram at embodiment for the rest of us. We look forward to being with you again next time in conversation.